Puna Ford, still a great name. So hello, welcome to Golf World Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the last of our preview podcasts. The NFC West is on the chopping block. Still a pretty good group of teams, but maybe some of them are falling off a little bit, eh, Ronan? So hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on? How's all, how's tricks? Sean, how, like, ever since it turned into super COVID, how is Sarah doing? Uh, <laughs> We've had to sedate her yeah, and keep her strapped down because obviously, you know, the the turning you into a mutant thing. Yeah, the weird COVID element, yeah. yeah. Unexpected to say the least, but, mm. uh, you know gotta cope with it day to day you know you learn to adapt i'm sure she knows you happy though she'll get her name in an awful lot of medical journals <laughs> yeah she's always wanted her name on a disease <laughs> yeah. oh actually that's a that's a really weird dynamic i suppose for doctors that they probably do want that but like you probably don't want it to be too bad a one like that guy michael cancer like he really messed up on what he discovered <laughs> now his family name is dirt you know yeah we're, <laughs> excellent we're, we're, we're a minute in we've completely lost track how about yourself ronan has tricks Grand. I'm looking at the our obviously a little spreadsheet when we were kind of give track of things. You know, it's like an optical illusion where one of the teams just keeps disappearing in and out of my vision. I just can't. You know, it's like an optical illusion. I can't quite <laughs> see it. But uh, look, maybe it'll show up by the time we get bound to one of these teams I'm supposed to be talking about. Uh, as I said previously, pre-memory holding a lot of things in this podcast. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is maybe not exactly the one you ought to be launching into, but look, sure, it'll be grand. We'll skip the news because nothing too major has happened since the last podcast and we'll lump straight into the previews. We'll kick ourselves off with the 49ers, who I'll have Sean chat about. So they've added on, kind of reworked defensive backfield, they've added Traverius Ward, George Odom, Samuel Warmack, Tariq Castro Fields, then defensive line, linebacker level, Hassan Ridgeway, Kerry Hyder, Ture, Drake Jackson, and Oren Burks. In the offense, they've added Spencer Burton, Nick Zakesh, is that how you say it? Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, Malik Turner, Tyler Croft, and Ty Davis Price. They lost Lakin Thompson, Alex Mack, Tom Compton, Raheem Mosert, Mo Sanu, Trent Sheffield, Richie Williams off the uh, offensive side and on the defensive side, Kawan Williams to Queasy Tart, Marcel. Harris, Taven Wilson, Josh Norman, DJ Jones, Arden Key, and Contavious Street. So look, this is obviously a team that did well last year, but there's a lot of random questions. We're recording this right now, and there is a chance that they may have traded him, and this will not be a question at the moment. But as it stands, there's a big fight over which one of the two quarterbacks they have should be starting. Is Trey Lance the up-and-comer? Are they going to find a trade partner for Garoppolo? Are they going to mix and match? The coaches have been surprisingly ambiguous to the point of at one point coming out and saying that, oh yeah, Garoppolo definitely could be our starter to like, well, I think Trey would be our best starter. What do you think, Sean? Like, wh- wh- What's this team going to look like? Are they going to mix and match, or are they going to just finally pick one of these two and, and go with it this is the question i mean it's you could say pick one of the, the two the only way he's going to pick one of the two is if he starts trey lance and gets rid of jimmy g because it seems as long as jimmy g is the number one there's always a question mark there it's jimmy g's the number one until trey lance becomes good enough or until you know we decide to get rid of jimmy to somewhere else we've been talking about this in terms of quarterbacks all along the line there's there's a certain kind of middle class of quarterbacks who are not good enough to kind of to win you the big games but too good to be easily shunted aside people like like, like Kirk Cousins Jimmy G's in that category he's someone you can you know rely on to give you a certain standard of performance but obviously not someone you're ever going to fall in love with as a quarterback you may fall in love with him due to his stunning beauty which means he's always in this halfway house between 
when he's trying to, especially with a team like the 49ers who are capable of being a contender, who are capable of getting deep in the playoffs, he always feels like he has job insecurity. But obviously Shanahan doesn't feel like he's willing to let go of Garoppolo yet. It was fully expected he would be shunted out at some point this offseason and Trey Lance would be made the undisputed number one, but that still hasn't happened. And it's quite possible that come week one, Garoppolo will still be the starting QB. Trey Lance, obviously, is exciting, dynamic, kind of the kind of the new breed of quarterbacks, but we don't really know anything about him in terms of him being all that good or, or all that bad. He's, he's had flashes when he's been brought in, but, but nothing too spectacular. Obviously, the 49ers are a very interesting team in terms of the, the Shanahan era, because when they're healthy, when they all the pieces are together and they're healthy, this is a very, very good team. This is a team that got into a Super Bowl. This is a team that made it to the conference championship game last year. Basically, the two seasons where they've had healthy player, enough healthy players to field a competitive team, the Niners have gone deep in the playoffs. But they've also had, I think, three seasons under Shanahan or either through injuries or through various rebuildings, they've, they've had pretty poor seasons. They, they won, won only four games, um, I think it was 2018 or something. So there is this kind of this Jekyll and Hyde aspect to it that the Niners can be a team that just everything collapses and they end up having a losing season because they, they lose so many players through injury, which just seems to be a, a recurring theme for this Niners team under Shannon. Or it all clicks and they end up you know, winning 12 games or they end up getting to the Super Bowl. Obviously, for someone like Jimmy G, he's, he's a perfect fit for someone, a reliable QB to have in a team that is treading water and just trying to, to get through the season. But for someone who's getting to NFC Championships or Super Bowls, he's clearly not good enough because he is liable to throw stupid interceptions. He is liable to make bad reads. So that that's one aspect. The Niners, there's a bit of uncertainty there in terms of who will the Niners start at QB and what will they look like in terms of the kind of sine wave of Shanahan's seasons. Obviously, the big news in terms of keeping Debo Samuel, perhaps the most dynamic kind of skill player in the league, certainly one of the most exciting skill players to watch because he's one of these guys who can make things happen all on their own. He's a wide receiver. He's a running back. He's he's everything at once. Holding on to him is big news. The question is how much he would be willing to play for Shanahan, how much he's going to be willing to, to invest in the program, such like since he obviously wanted out. Obviously, without him, they, they lose a little bit of their dynamism up front. They still have players like Ayuk and George Kittle. There is options there on the receiving end. The, the running backs, obviously, they go through, it seems, about 60 running backs a year. Every time I've watched the Niners in the last f- five years, it seems they have a new running back starting, sometimes through injury, sometimes not. Uh, Rona will know a lot more about this, but obviously the, the scheme is set up in such a way that you could put myself in as running back and I'd end up with a couple of 100-yard games that it, that the system is just so good. It looks quite good there. Some very interesting pieces. It's obviously, whether Lance or, or Jimmy G are playing is two entirely different systems, obviously because Lance is more of, of a runner and Jimmy G is more of a, a game manager. So I do think the Niners need to make a choice at some point. I mean, honestly, if you're staying with Garoppolo, just decide... We're staying with you for the season, no matter what happens, I'll commit to you. Because I think that's what someone like Garoppolo needs, is someone to, to, to be there. Look, I will be with you no matter what happens. You make a mistake in week three or week five, I, I will just ignore the, the media clamor or whatever. This kid will sit on the sidelines for a year. Or you tell him, look, I'm going to start Trey Lance no matter what happens, even if he throws four interceptions. Uh, in the opening game. Uh, And then uh, on the defensive side, obviously quite a strong defense. I mean, one of the best defenses on both sides of the ball. I think they're top 10 
defenses in terms of yardage on both sides of the ball to get them quite competitive. But obviously the defense was what drove a lot of the, the playoff run. I mean, the Packers aim really streaks straight to mind where they just completely shut down Aaron Rodgers and the options therein. So in terms of the additions, I mean, not a tremendous amount of changes, not a lot of big names being added. Traverius Ward maybe stands out as, as the most interesting terms there. So there is kind of a continuity team, which given that they made to they had a good run at the end of last season they kind of got going and ended up making the championship game it's a good thing to do quite a tough division the rams are good the the cardinals have their moments although i'm a little bit less up on them this season but i think the niners will be there or thereabouts i think they have a good chance of winning the division and if they don't win the division i think they'll probably still win enough games to be a high seed they're certainly if they stay healthy are a playoff team and if all things click and they get things right in the QBN, they could go quite deep in the playoffs. So I have them 12-5, and five, uh, which is good enough for winning the division and the three seed. And I see them getting to the NFC Championship game again, but then uh, losing to, I think, uh, the Packers. Certainly, I would not be surprised to see them deep in the playoffs again. Big question, right? Can Shanahan deal with a quarterback who won't throw the guys who are open? Because obviously Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the league, and he creates guys who are open he puts guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk in positions where they can make explosive plays or even the running backs have been sometimes big players in the, in the passing game. And the big question is, like Jimmy G, we know he can get the ball to Debo and Kittle and he does it reliably, he does it quickly, he plays within the scheme, he throws across the middle, he's not afraid to just take the dump, the dump, the dump off. But obviously incredibly little upside like if you once jimmy g is like if the play isn't correct if jimmy g exits the pocket he's one of the worst throwers outside the pocket in the league every time he went outside the pocket was rolling out of pocket he looked like an interception just waiting to happen obviously that caps what you can do in the modern nfl and then you bring in trey lance who's got the aaron Rodgers, patrick mahomes profile the big arm the athleticism that explosive mindset and obviously a guy who everyone raved about how quickly he learned the game of course he definitely needed to be considering he played like only like 13 games or something college level and at the lower level of the college game. So he's effectively a rookie this year if they start him. And what we saw in his couple of starts last year was basically what we saw there. He, he's very unreliable. He has accuracy because his mechanics aren't there yet in terms of just getting the ball out quickly. Um, but you saw those big explosive plays to help them win like a game against the Texans last year after having a rough start. So the upside's all there. Like you drafted him to because you thought this guy can be Pat Mahomes. This guy can be Aaron Rodgers. This guy can make explosive plays outside the pocket. He can make things happen that Jimmy G can never do in his dreams, particularly dreams about that Super Bowl they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like this is... A situation where it's such a huge contrast that it's kind of like a you know it's an almost impossible choice for for Shanahan for the team as a whole and obviously we we do know or we do believe there was a tension there between the front office and Shanahan when they drafted Trey Lance over a guy like Mac Jones who would much more fit more easily into the uh, Jimmy G type system kind of just a distributor a guy who does the job who takes advantage of the open throws that Shanahan is so good at creating like that's going to be the focus here and obviously that will derive whether they're a genuine NFC Super Bowl type contender again or whether they're just kind of like a a wildcard team assuming they stay healthy they're a team that's notorious for getting banged up but if they stay healthy I can't see them not being at least competitive even in a tough enough division all the players that they have on the offense obviously Debo Samuel was a bit annoyed in the offseason but I assume he'll still be put in position to succeed Ayuk's a very solid wide receiver too and George Kittle hopefully is healthy and should be a great contributor there and Kyle Juszczyk at fullback they'll probably see a lot of him 
And Juwan Jennings actually flashed a little bit of wide receiver tree last year, so I don't think that'll be a problem. Running back, in theory, Elijah Mitchell after last year should be given the ball a lot, but he was injured a lot, and this is San Francisco 49ers, so they'll probably go through 20 running backs by the end of the season. But because of that zone blocking scheme, outside zone blocking scheme that Shanahan has inherited from his father, and which he's iterated on and made even better, given that you can't take away the play action and you have to respect that because of how good Shanahan is good at it. That, that running game should be fine, even if the wide, yeah. even if the offensive line is going to have a, a little bit more of a shakeup uh, on defense. You know they have Bosa, they have Fred Warner, Javarius Ward is a solid pickup. They should be good there. I think you'll probably they'll hope to get a bit more of Javon Kinlaw this year uh, compared to last year, but uh, I think the pressure won't be too much there because they they basically every year they seem to go through a rotation of like veteran defensive tackle, defensive end guys. Like this year, it's Ridgeway, Hyder, and Torrey brought in instead of Arden Key and Kadarius Street, but. Overall, we've seen enough from D'Amico Ryan sticking over that defense last year that it shouldn't be a huge step down. So they're a team that should be competitive if they stay healthy, but that huge variance at the quarterback position makes them a really intriguing team this year. But right now, honestly, I, I, I think I would expect Trey Lance to start, but if Shanahan has enough influence, maybe Jimmy G stays there. But it also depends like if they get an offer, any offer worth anything at this point and not the fake you know second round in their pocket during the offseason they should probably take it eventually they're going to have to play the guy that they draft so high and they traded so much to get him yeah and they've also they've got a fair whack of money on the books at the moment for Garoppolo they're hoping to kind of shift off and they can get him gone as well yeah I'd be the same I'd, I'd imagine that pretty much everyone I think even Shannon will want Trey Lance to win this job I think the worry will be if we start hearing out of preseason that he's not winning the job because there's, there's a couple of reporters for on the 49ers beat that seem to be suggesting that there are people there who don't think Trey Lance is an NFL-level quarterback and that the reason we haven't seen him on the field is because he's not ready for it. It's a team that's notorious for briefing a lot, though, and a lot of those briefs end up being inaccurate by the time you get to the actual season, so... It's not a yeah. team I trust the report. Uh, I've got them going 12-5, and five, uh, getting the five seed and going out in the divisional round. I think Sean has them getting the furthest you can go into the championship and, and uh, getting knocked out at that point. But yeah, like, expecting a decent year for them. And to be honest, they're, they're kind of a safe enough set of hands that I kind of expect a decent season out of them, even if it's kind of Jimmy G or, or, or Lance to start. I think they've kind of got the depth and the scheming to work around that. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals. They've added Marquise Brown, Daryl Williams, and Keontae Ingram on the kind of skill position players. Offensive line, Will Hernandez, Alexis Smith, tight ends Trey McBride and Steven Anderson. And on the defense, Nick Vigil, Cam Thomas, Maijai Sanders, and Christian Matthews. They lost DeAndre Hopkins to a six-game suspension, which, as I think we mentioned at the time, explains maybe a little bit more the immediate jump up to acquire Hollywood Brown. They lost Christian Kirk, Chase Evans, Max Garcia, Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks, Corey Peters, Jack Crawford, Robert Alford, Malcolm Butler, Kevin Peterson, and Chris Banjo. So, this is a team that, you know, looked all right towards the back end of last year, got knocked out in the in the first round of the playoffs by the eventual winners, but, like, didn't really look fantastically up to scratch. I hate to sound almost kind of like coming back to a meme level of this, but, like, we still don't really understand if this is intentional or not that this is how their offense works. The amount of this that is Cliff Kingsbury and the amount of this that is just Kyler Murray running around until he has a chance to hurl it downfield and hope for the absolute best. When it works, it looks great and everyone wants credit for it, but we saw multiple times last year where that didn't work particularly well. A lot of that is dependent on having, you know, your giant, huge catch radius guy in DeAndre Hopkins who can just get downfield and do it. And Christian Kirk's a pretty fast dude as well. And obviously... 
Hopkins is gone for six games. Kirk is gone full stop. Marquis Brown is there, but he's a different type of player again. But again, coming from a system where you don't see as much on the outside passing. So could he have a bigger role here at this point? It's an awkward spot for me because I know in a vacuum, Kyler Murray has shown some very incredible, skillful things. I also don't think I have any belief that he's like a top five, even maybe a top 10 quarterback anymore, because I can't tell how much of it is just stupid running around and bombing it down and getting saved by a wide receiver and how much of it isn't. And then I don't know how much of that is to put blame wise on the, (laughs) on the coaching. And I'd really like a little bit of a clearer indicator this year as to like what the actual plan is, how they're scheming it and how to make sure that'll actually happen. Because like we said, works well, looks great. You come up against anyone, you come up against the Rams, it collapses and and you kind of had a really sad, quick exit. Wide receiver core is less good than it was. I like Marquis Brown coming in. Hopkins being gone for six weeks is obviously a huge problem. Will Brown be able to work well in this system? I'd imagine just out of pure necessity of having to throw the ball to him, that's going to have to happen. Like He's going to get fed for the first six weeks. One of his main complaints about where he was in Baltimore was that he wasn't getting fed, that it was going to undercut his value whenever it came to hitting the free market running back situation like i know it's kind of a joke that i don't like james connor but i just don't think he's he's a running back one and i think i think he could work if you got more of a tandem here in place and maybe that's what they're hoping with Darrell williams but like i'm not mad about that either the offensive line is fine i suppose like they've got a good center like i don't know pew and hernandez it, the interior is all right. It's it's fine. It's just nothing blows my mind, really. You know, it feels like there's very little upgrading on this offense. And at a couple of positions, it feels like it's gone down. And then when you look at the defense, the defense looks to be, not to be unkind, it seems mostly names, right? Like, J.J. Watt is a very famous player and has been good beforehand. He is old now and he is not very good anymore. There's a lot of people who you recognize and not a ton of people who you kind of go yeah if i'm setting out a defense now that's who i want to anchor my linebacking core they've got a lot of like maybe some hype young players that are coming in like colin simmons that might be able to help but like would you look at marcus golden and say yeah that's 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 what i want to be as a key personnel on my team and i expect him to deliver me 800 snaps and, and and do a top end job i've got a feeling that Feels like Cliff Kingsbury accidentally found a little thing that worked in having Kyler Murray run around through the ball deep and just kind of build scramble drills essentially for them. And he hasn't figured out what he wants to do beyond that. And the roster is atrophying because they don't know what direction they particularly want to go in with it. For a team that made the playoffs and could well make the playoffs again, it feels rudderless without any direction and without any concept of how to turn itself from a team that gets booted out in the first round of the playoffs to a team that could make it to a championship game and i could come down to the coaching it could come down to you know just my perceptions of the stuff but i'm not sold in this cardinals team in the slightest i agree with you i i think i'm the most down about any of the three of us about this cardinals team look they're an exciting team and kyler is, is a great talent and it's very fun to watch him play but uh, we talked about it all last year is just how sustained there's no strategy behind it there's no clear idea it was very much a just it was let kyler cook and it worked when you had someone like hopkins going on or someone like kirk on the other side it clicked for like five six seven weeks there in the start of last season it looked really good but i kind of feel they were figured out i mean i kind of feel the reason that they they kind of collapsed at the end of the season was because defenses kind of knew what to do that there weren't that many things you could do especially with hopkins out of the situation it was 
Kyler didn't have an awful lot to go to. I like James Conner a little bit more than you, but you you shouldn't be relying on him to, to be your entire offense, which it kind of felt like at the back end of last season it was turning into. The Cardinals were relying on James Conner to do an awful lot of things that someone of his talent shouldn't be asked to do. And he pulled off a, a fair amount of it, to be fair to him. And I think this team needs to make some sort of iteration in terms of its development. It has to evolve in some way. To have a, a player of the talent of Kyler, you, you, you think about what the Chiefs have done over the past three or four years. They've Yes, they have a Mahomes-type talent, but they've also had a, an offense that continually evolves as defenses try to adjust to what's happening. I just don't see that with the Cardinals, right? That teams have been adjusting to what Kyler can do and putting him into uncomfortable situations for a while, and he hasn't found that answer yet. And I feel like they were all out of answers at the back end of last season. I don't feel like what's happened so far this season in terms of the additions gives them all that much. They brought in Marquise Brown as a kind of a, a, a D-hop replacement or, or some sort of D-hop fill for a little while. I mean, he's exciting, but he's still quite young and he's still developing. I mean, every season is better than the last, but he's, you know, has he really had a breakout season yet? Probably not. Is he, has he kind of cemented himself as a huge star yet? Probably not. So it, it's, it, it's probably not there yet. Losing Hopkins for six games is going to hurt an awful lot. I think Christian Kirk, even though the Jags overvalued him, is going to be a loss in terms of that as well. So I think they've they've lose a bit of their offensive dynamism at least for the the first half of this season. And then when you're in division, which has at least which has two very good teams in it, that's a very bad situation to be in because the Cardinals feel like a momentum team. It feels like the reason they did so well last season is because they started like seven and zero because they were just in in a particular groove and things were working. But when that groove falls apart, this team doesn't look very good at all. And and the defense is un, unspectacular and in many ways perhaps uh, unconvincing when the chips are down. So yeah, I have the Cardinals only winning five games, which is maybe a little bit on the harsh side that most seasons you'd expect to maybe pick up a little bit more than that. But I think they're in a tough division. I think their offense has been figured out a little bit. And I don't quite see where the answers are coming from because Cliff Kingsbury, and I know uh, Roland has, has been talking about this man for a very long time. It doesn't feel like Cliff Kingsbury has the answers that his team needs to get to make that next evolution that they need to do to get to the, the, le- the next level. It's just an offense that's lacking the kind of, you know, the vegetables that are required to, to just get things done. It doesn't have slants. It doesn't have seams, really. It doesn't really play across the middle of the field. And, like, to some extent, like, I know Kyler Murray's a short guy. He obviously can't see the middle of the field. But if you don't have that at all, which they basically don't, five or so yard pickups with the passing game, you either need to be able to run the ball really well, which I haven't really seen from them. Like, they run the pedal pretty well, but teams can clamp down on them if they have good help outside or you need Kyler Murray to just do magic every play and while he does do a lot of magic what we've seen over the last few seasons is that eventually that wears and then he picks up knocks he loses some of that and becomes more skittish in the pocket because of that and so when teams take away the things that they like to do when they take away the screen game when they take away the alert go balls when they force him to play boring Jimmy G style football for lack of a better term he just looks lost and the offense just falls apart and like look there's some defenses that aren't good enough to do that and uh, you know sometimes that will work out fine for them but when they go up against a team like the Rams as Sean mentioned in the playoffs it gets exposed and I think you know they iterate a little bit at the beginning of each season that kind of gets things a little bit back on track but by the end of the season it's all gone and the defense I think will take uh, you know personally speaking I'm looking at this defense and the only one who looks like a genuine guy that you can trust definitely is Buddha Baker 
Like they got David Collins, they got Isaiah Simmons, two very highly touted linebacker type safety guys, and they haven't really developed either of them into the players people hoped that they would be. Like Vance Joseph, the, the seat has to be at least a little bit hot for him. I know he took over a terrible defense and turned it into a reasonable defense, but given how little attention is probably given to it by Cliff Kingsbury, maybe someone needs to be there to hold Vance Joseph to account in terms of the lack of development that we've seen of these young guys. And yeah, it, they, like they're relying on a lot of old guys like Marcus Golden and J.J. Watt to step up in terms of that front four. Losing a guy like Chandler Jones, again, replacing with Devin Gennard or Dennis Gardick, it's just very uninspiring overall. Like I think it's not just Cliff Kingery's problem anymore, it's just the roster overall is not a roster that particularly excites me like hollywood brown will have some explosive plays but for defenses defensive coordinators who know what they're doing they'll be able to take that away they will be able to take that away because you know they have to they have to defend the ball that he's good at anyway and they will do what's required because they can just leave the middle of the field open basically you know because they're not worried about dump offs they're not worried about slants they're not worried about anyone doing it, that kind of stuff and so if you take away those elements it's just yeah we've, we've seen it fall apart maybe cliff kingsbury can prove me wrong but I'm not betting on it right now. Yeah, so like I said, we can arrange from five at the bottom up as far as I think nine wins, which is just more that, you know, they could hit it. And uh, Hopkins should be back for, for 11 games, so they can win a few of those ones. Next up, fair news to you, Ronan. From the sounds of things, I would have thought you would have maybe wanted to pass this one off, but uh, <laughs> we'll let you forward. The Seahawks have added Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Kenneth Walker, Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, Austin Blythe, Marcus Goodwin on the defensive side, Shelby Harris, Uchenny Nwozu, Buffet May, Quinton Jefferson, Tyreek Smith, Artie Burns, Justin Coleman, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, and Joel Egan-Boonway. They've lost Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, DJ Reed, Bless Austin, Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder, Harim Gant, Benson, Mayoa, Robert, Kim DJ, Kim DJ, Kim DJ, why did you fall out the window? Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, Ethan Piok, Jamarco Jones, Gerald Everett, and Alex Collins. This is a team that has gone from a kind of perennial contender but has underperformed in the playoffs in recent years to no longer having Russell Wilson no longer having Bobby Wagner I think all of the Legion of Boom are now gone maybe there's one person left and no, it's all gone all gone and now you have the power struggle of Chino Smith versus Drew Locke for the starting quarterback position you've still got a couple of decent running backs and like I like the I like the pickup of Noah Fant in that trade if that helps at all this is a very different prospect of a Seahawks team. This is this feels more like a kind of a 2009 Seahawks than anything that we've really had in, in, in recent memory, right? Yeah, Tavares Jackson and Clipboard Jesus and the corpse of Matt Hasselbeck. Let's go back to that. Woo! <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, when you spend a decade with a, an all-pro, like future Hall of Fame quarterback, and then you look around the next day and it's Drew Locke and Geno Smith. You you can't be very optimistic, let's be perfectly frank. Pete Carroll is obviously always optimistic and it, this will give him obviously all the excuses in the world he needs to, to do the thing he loves most, which is run the ball again and again and again and again and again. The fact that you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett still one of the better wide receiver talents in the league don't matter because you've got Kenneth Walker, the rookie that they picked up in the second round, and Rashad Penny, two guys like let's be honest, like based on what we talked about in the draft and what we saw towards the end of last year, are guys who could potentially be explosive guys who do have good season. But unfortunately, like there's just no team in the NFL that can succeed with bad quarterback play. Like we saw, like the the Seahawks 
didn't tread water with Gito Smith last year. They they lost most of those games. They got like one win there. It's very hard to see them being much better with the updates that they've made to their offense. Like, look, they've obviously changed the offensive line significantly. They bring in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas in the draft. Two rookies at both of your tackle spots. That's an interesting experiment to do. But at least, I suppose, you don't have to worry about oh, you're affecting your franchise quarterback anymore. You know, Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, and, and potentially Austin Blight uh, or Kyle Fuller. I think they should be okay within the zone blocking scheme that Shane Waldron was installing last year, obviously coming from the uh, Faye Shanahan type tree. I'm not saying that they can't run the ball. They probably could run the ball, but running the ball isn't good enough in the NFL these days. If you don't have a passing attack, you're not going to go anywhere. At best, you're going to kind of fit into like maybe the seven to nine win range, but be a very hard watch overall for any kind of neutrals on the sidelines. So look, with Metcalf, Lockett and Fant, some games they will break out, but they're going to have a significant step back to two wide receivers from what they expected under other Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson just had that elite deep ball, both in terms of his arm and his ability to throw those rainbow balls. Just, you know, completely unique. And obviously it'll be interesting to see how that works out in Denver. But also that level of anticipation that he had with Tyler Lockett in particular. Tyler Lockett just seemed to have a mental connection with him that he could vibe his way open multiple times every game and kind of create those explosive plays that the Seahawks got used to. We're now reverting to a much more boring, probably West Coast type offense for either of these guys. Like, you know, Drew Locke is highly inaccurate based on what we saw in Denver. Geno Smith's like slightly more accurate, but he's not a great reader of the game. He doesn't have great anticipation. So, you know, he might, like both of these guys might throw up deep balls or throw balls to TK Metcalf and he might have a few explosive plays at red zone but it was already an inconsistent offense it's going to go a lot less consistent or maybe it'll be consistent but uh, not in a good way if you know what I mean on the defense it's basically as you said like you lose the last remnant of the of Super Bowl winning defense with Bobby Wagner leaving he's obviously he's lost a step but he's such an elite leader and reader of the game that he was still a, a highly valuable part of this defense and so they're going to rely on their first round pick Jordan Brooks from a couple of years ago to, to step in and maybe get there the, the defensive line is really relying on Hopefully a rotation of guys like, you know, Uchina Nuosu is an interesting pickup from the Chargers, was kind of a mid kind of part-time starter for the Chargers, but was very productive in his final year there when he got a few more snaps. And both Imai in the draft could be a guy who could pick up uh, some steam there. And they have guys who were already there or, or returning guys like Daryl Taylor, Quinton Jefferson, LJ Collier, who could potentially make an impact on Alton Robinson on the, on the edge. Puna Ford, still a great name, still a fun player. No doubt about that, but, you know, Shelby Harris, I think, is a solid pick up there, although he's also getting up there in age, so I don't think the defensive line will be a problem, but it doesn't really matter, of course, if your offense isn't going anywhere, and at linebacker, I'd have major concerns, and at cornerback, I've had huge concerns, like, Trey Brown was a guy who looked okay as kind of a fourth-round rookie last year, but outside that, it's like Sidney Jones, a reclamation project, who didn't look terrible, but certainly didn't look like a like a good starter and you're bringing back guys like justin coleman you're bringing in a veteran like Artie burns ugo maddie maybe kobe bryant like he was actually the better in terms of statistics defensive backs in cincinnati obviously the other one sauce gardner went you know high up but obviously a much more limited in terms of physical traits but a guy who played really well in college maybe he could become a starter in year one very very uncertain there and then of course it's hard to talk about the seattle defense and the nature of it compared to what was a few years ago by without talking about the a safety tandem in particular Jamal Adams obviously a player who has unlimited potential huge explosive upside but last year looked lost looked particularly bad in coverage tends to pick up injuries just huge concerns there that that's just a completely waste of time and obviously is part of the context of why they don't have Russell Wilson anymore so that only makes things a little more Quandry Diggs has been good for many years now. I don't see a reason why he should step down, especially after getting his contract. But, you know, if your best player is potentially your free safety, that's usually not a great sign. 
uh, that your defense is going anywhere. But of course, you know, they bring in Clint Hurt. They're kind of transitioning to a 3-4 scheme. They've usually been a 4-3 scheme over the years and kind of moving towards where the rest of the league is going. So it'll be interesting to see where that transition is. But like, it is kind of interesting. Like, you know, on the offense, Shane Waldron's bringing in the Shanahan type scheme. Clint Hurt's kind of from the, and they brought in Desai as kind of defensive um, assistant uh, who's kind of highly tied as a young a defensive mind they're bringing in the kind of Vic Fangio system after being 4-3 for the year so there's a lot of change schematically so Pete Carroll at least has shown some willingness to adapt to what the NFL is doing and not just running at the same you know, play action run the ball a lot play action offense and the you know just completely readable but based purely on talent 4-3 scheme and the one high safety stuff so they have adapted but you know those things won them a Super Bowl and now they're kind of playing catch-up they're kind of importing ideas from other guys to, that makes you wonder and concede whether they just don't have any fresh ideas and they're just trying to play catch-up with the rest of the league with these guys who are coming in and, and trying to change things. But that's a lot of analysis, a lot of rundown of the roster, but when you have Drew Locke and Geno Smith at quarterback, it doesn't really matter about the rest of the roster. It could be the best roster in the league, and it probably still wouldn't make the playoffs. So unless they do something extreme at quarterback, which seems highly unlikely to me, this is a team that at best will be average and very well could be bottom of the league if things go badly. Yeah. Who do you want to win? John Locker, Gino? Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> or I do you want Gino? Gino has got some excitement to him. You'd I think the floor. Watch. I think the floor is a bit better for Gino. I've just seen too many. He, he is just too hard to watch. Like Gino Smith, like it's not great, but at least you know you're getting something out of it. You know, there's been there, there's been a rave of rumors the last week or so about the Seahawks. Post the Baker trade, looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously, there's there's several problems here, not least of it being an, an in-division trade. But I suppose if they're happy to move on from him and he's not good enough for them and they want to go with their new guy, then that shouldn't really be a bad thing if they then think, well, that means our, our divisional rival will now be starting a guy who we don't think is up to scratch. But would you yeah, would you have any look, interest in him if that's if, if just completely theoretically if that was available? Would you would you be interested in them taking him and giving him a two three year deal and picking up a rookie maybe next year to train up behind him or something? I think it would be an improvement, but I don't think he suits the personnel that they have. Like I don't really see him being a guy who vibes with what we have in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in terms of. You know, taking advantage of them as deep threats. Mm. So I don't know how much he value he would add. Like, look, the Seahawks are going to be associated with every single backup guy who loses in camp, like Mariota, we talked about last week, if he loses the Ritter, like Minshew in Philadelphia. Just like pretty much any backup that people think could start is going to be linked with the Seahawks over the next month and a half. But I genuinely do believe that the Seahawks might just be yeah, yeah, we, we got this. We're going to run the ball really well. We're doing the whole turnover thing that we did when we're building towards the Russell Wilson era. But, you know, I think they're being a little bit rose-tinted glasses about that period when they were turning the roster over at a ferocious rate. At the end of the day, Russell Wilson saved them from more years of going 7-9 and nine, uh, every year. And, you know, those opportunities don't really come around that often. They will have plenty of draft ammunition next year to try and do that and very likely at a high level if things go badly which i think it will probably happen to some extent this year yeah as i said i've already memory hold it it never happened let's move on to 2023 uh, yeah i have five wins rona has seven wins and sean has uh three three wins on there for the uh for the seahawks this year let's move over to their uh the rams i have sean chat about these guys so they decided the rich keep getting richer they've added alan robinson to the wide receiver core they've also added Kyron williams and logan bruss at running back and guard defensive side they've added bobby wagner you know taking from taking from the division rival as well and daniel hardy defensive back they've added troy hill Jacoby durant safety quentin lake and darian kendrick at 
defensive back. So a lot of kind of changing pieces there. On the offense, they've lost Robert Woods, OBJ, although there's a lot of rumors that he might look at coming back. Andrew Whitworth retired famously. Austin Corbett's gone as well, and so Sonny Michelle on the defensive side. Von Miller has gone, although like he was only there for, it feels like, six games. Sebastian Joseph Day, Troy Reader, Obo Okawanro is gone. Will Compton, Darius Williams, Deontay Dayton, and Eric Weddle are all gone as well. Look, Sean, lots and lots of veterans being added here. Robinson and Wagner expected to make some impact. They really upgraded the wide receiver position. Like, is this a kind of let's tweak, add one or two small bits and keep the same formula? Or do you see anything more substantially switching here for this team? No, I mean, it, it's the same. It's the same model that they've been using for quite a while now. I mean, the, the question with the Rams coming off a, a championship winning season is, is how sustainable is this unsustainable model that they've built a system that is about succeeding in the short term Whereas you pay in the long term in terms of the loss of picks and the various cap hits you're going to have to take. They've obviously decided that they can get away with one more year of it. They've basically run it back with a little bit of tweaks here and there to, to kind of to freshen things up a bit. So Robert Woods is gone, who I really liked as a wide receiver, but they brought in Alan Robinson, who I probably like even more. So I think there is a, a very, there is a, a slight upgrade there. They've, they've lost OBJ, but he might stick around. On the defensive side, Von Miller is gone, but they found another explosive linebacker, Bobby Wagner. So it's like they're definitely, they, they've got a core that they're happy with. People like Stafford and, and Cooper Cup and Cam Akers and, and what have you. And on the, on the defensive side, people like Donald, Donald and, and Ramsey are, are the big names. They've got them. They've, they've held on to them and they think they can make uh, another year out of it by adding these pieces around them. And obviously it worked last year. They went all the way to the Super Bowl and they won it. I mean, it wasn't the most spectacular season in terms of the regular season that they very easily could have ended up. They got kind of lucky in winning their division in the end. They were basically because the Cardinals collapsed that allowed the Rams to get in and they got them. The, the the home playoff game otherwise they might have had to go all the way on the road which would have been a lot more difficult as it ended up being they could have been for example in the 49ers position of being having to win three road games to make the Super Bowl which which doesn't happen all that often because they got the home game they were able then to kind of to, to get onto a nice run obviously the big win against the Bucks and to kind of then going all the way being the Niners and then the Bengals so so it, it's unclear how repeatable that is what they've done because if they have the same kind of regular season as they had last season where, you know, they might start a little bit slowly or they have a piece in the middle where they're not quite clicking and things come together at the end. They may, in a division like this, where a team like the 49ers are quite good, they may end up not winning the division. They may end up as something like the five seed, which would be kind of a, a dangerous position to be in because it is very hard to win when you are a road team in the wildcard round. And then the problem is the price that they're paying in the long run, that there isn't any kind of long-term strategy here whatsoever. The Rams have, have basically sold out completely once again around a, a somewhat unsustainable cap model and basically having no draft picks for from now until the apocalypse and all hoping that they can pull it all together. And I've struggled to see how Lightning can strike twice here. Obviously, Stafford is a great addition and he's really stepped up and proven that he can be the guy that we all kind of thought he would be, but that the Lions never gave him the chance. The the reliable yet explosive when he needs to be. That the kind of the kind of the big game quarterback that the Rams need, needed so desperately. Cooper Cup has obviously stepped up to be possibly the best wide receiver in the league last season. Alan Robinson adding him on as a as a wide receiver too is a good addition there. People like Van Jefferson contribute. The running game, Akers, Jaron Henderson, it's quite solid. Higby's a quite a decent tight end as well. The, their offensive line is is maybe so so. I mean, no one really stands out perhaps all that much. But their defensive side, obviously, I mean, Jalen Ramsey talks too much, but he's quite talented at what he does. 
obviously Aaron Donald is a huge player. Bobby Wagner is a good addition there as well. I, I like people like like Jordan Fuller as well. So the pieces are there, and certainly they made it look last season. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they. It, there's one thing for something like that the Bucks to to try and run it back when they clearly have they had it figured out by week eleven of that the 2020 season, and they they basically went on like a six or seven win streak. Whereas the Rams, it it, it probably feels a little bit less sustainable if they don't win their division which would be quite a tough thing to do. That's going to be quite difficult for them to go all the way. So that's what I have them doing. I have them 12-5, and five, which is the same record I'm giving the Niners, but I think they lose out on the tiebreakers. They end up in the fifth seed, uh, and then they go out in the divisional round. And that kind of feels like, like where they're having. And then the problems start for the Rams because then they have to start thinking about how do they rebuild this team or how do they how they fix the parts that aren't working. So it kind of feels that they've got maybe a maximum of one more year out of this Rams team before they're going to have to start doing some major retooling or starting to pay the price for, for, for the various mis- decisions they've made in the past two or three years. In the famous words of Keynes, in the long run, we're dead. So who cares about <laughs> next season or the season after? Like, as long as you want to keep the ride going, you can keep the ride going. You can steal cap from the future. Like, you look at a team of the Saints who have done that for basically nearly a decade at this point. Like, if you want to make the numbers work, you can make it work. And yes, someday... The bill will come due, but who gives a crap? You traded to get Matt Stafford. He's brought you to the promised land. He's got you that Super Bowl. You got Aaron Donald still in his prime, a guy who's basically, if you tried to do the conservative thing, would probably have retired after that, perhaps. But he's back. He wants to win more rings. You bring in Bobby Wagner, a guy who obviously has been frustrated as being kind of the last part of that Super Bowl winning defense at Seahawks. Now he goes right into defense, which uh, in theory should be still right up there with the best in the league and gets to play with guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, guys who are studs and basically can help them maybe like at least stay at the same level despite some of the minor losses that they had there's no reason to see Raheem Morris will take a big step back here you know on the offense Cooper Cup I don't know like maybe there's a defensive corner out there who'll figure out how to deal with the option routes from Cooper Cup particularly from the uh, slot but I haven't seen it right now like he had I think the highest percentage of snaps uh, or among the highest percentage of snaps against linebackers and that's just completely unfair and that obviously reflects the fact that Sean McVay is one of the most innovative play callers in the league alongside Shanahan in this division and it just you know the defense coordinators are always seem to be playing catch up with Sean McVay when he has someone who you know can play with him, who understands him, like Matt Stafford when he's not just having to do it on himself. What he had with Jared Goff back in the day, so yeah, like Alan Robinson, I think should be was a good pickup, and Van Jefferson is probably a solid wide receiver tree. So it's just one of those situations where yeah, yes, it's obviously hard to win the Super Bowl, and I don't have them winning the Super Bowl, but like in terms of being still relevant to win the Super Bowl, like you know with the additions that they have and with their ability that they've shown to put a kind of put in guys who aren't necessarily the biggest names, but get production out of them like they bring back troy hill for example who and like from free agency they they tend to do well at linebacker like despite having lesser guys and now they have bobby wagner in there that should be fine on the offensive line like look whitworth is a loss and corbett hinks a loss but they've also shown the ability to get reasonable production out there and stafford's a guy who has never been afraid to stand in the pocket even when the offensive line hasn't been the best and make the big plays when they're required so like yeah it's hard to win the super bowl but i you know, they, I think they have to genuinely still be considered a genuine Super Bowl contender. As long as they have Matt Stafford, as long as they have Aaron Donald, and they keep bringing in guys like Bobby Wagner to kind of fill in the gaps and kind of add that extra juice, it's hard not to see them continue to be a major force in the NFC. And even though it really annoys me, it's, yeah, I, I've been getting a tree seed, 11 and 6, and going to the divisional round, but, you know, they have to be considered alongside the Bucks and the Packers as being 
uh, among the Super Bowl favorites from the from a, what is overall a you know fairly milk toast NFC. This is the thing. It's it, it, it's a good team that's gotten better, which is not normally what you see on these kind of spots. Like Alan Robinson is a fantastic addition. I think he's gonna have a big bounce back here. Pair him with Cup, and you've got a great two pair there to go with it. You've got the best defensive lineman on your front section. You've now added Bobby Wagner to lead the middle section. You've got the best cornerback to lead your back end. Like you got leadership at every level now. Like it's uh it feels like genuinely because quite often it's a it's an attritional thing post Super Bowl or, or, or particularly like it's at least you kind of sit you know, you, you, you fill in some gaps and you sit about even. Like this feels like the team has gotten better. Now that being said I, I, again, keep them keep them up in that top area. I think I actually have them go out in the NFC Championship. The, my only concern is that it's a great team that won Super Bowl last year. If it played the Bills or the Chiefs, it would have lost. Like, like it, there there are holes on this team. I think they need some more work on their running back position if they want to have that last a little bit more. Like, I, 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 I like the leadership. I do wonder if maybe some of the defense is getting a little bit longer in the tooth, though, and whether or not at a certain point it over-focus on three leaders and not having kind of consistency amongst spread amongst the 11 players might be an issue for them. But, like, I have them getting the one seed in the NFC and winning 14 games. So, like, I'm not that down on them. I'm not sure if the, that these guys up at the top of the NFC are, are as good as the top of the AFC at the moment. Yeah, like, look, like five years from now, the, the Los Angeles could be a climate change racked hello. Uh, so, <laughs> fuck, fuck the future, basically. Like, the Seahawks, they're trying to kind of roll the clock back to, like, 2010, where, obviously, with the new CBA, you know, it made sense to focus on rookies and stuff like that. But the cap is going up every year. You know, the end of the world is probably potentially coming up sooner rather than later. So why not just fuck them picks and uh, go okay, all in every okay. year like the Rams and the Bucks are doing. So, 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 so Ronan, when his team isn't doing that well, goes this nihilistic. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm in a dark place right now. Like, because I, I actually, because I memory hold this year, I'm actually seeing visions a year from now instead, you know. It's a, it's a no, Arthur, yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and on that very cheery note, I suppose that'll wrap us up. I picked up tickets for the college game up in Dublin, so that should be fun. That's at the end of August, still kicking off the, the college football season here in the Aviva Stadium. So, ourselves and a bunch of mates are going to be going down to that. I'm unsure if it's going to be a particularly strong game because I'm not sure how big a fish the old corn huskers are. Yeah, but, uh, Nebraska have, I think it's five consecutive losing seasons they've had now. So Consistency is difficult to achieve that. in college football. <laughs> and just to say, I suppose, like for, for our listeners, we usually take the training camp period off because who cares, as we talked about last year, and it's all bullshit, basically. And the preseason is even less important than it used to be because it's been pared down to basically nothing and no one starts their veterans even anymore. We'll be taking a bit of a gap off, kind of prepping ourselves for the big actual season in at the beginning of september we'll have our week one preview and yeah until then yeah we'll be watching a bit of college ball watching the start of the premier league i suppose and enjoying the enjoying the sun potentially of august so that's good so as always thanks for listening we will be back to you i suppose the next episode will probably be the start of season eight won't it since we've been doing this for far too fucking long right that's bye for myself it's bye from ronan it's bye from sean this is all four quarters thanks for listening we'll talk to you next season